Suratul Ahzab, ayah number 59. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, O Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Qul, say, li azwajika, to your wives, plural of the word, zawj. Say to your wives, wabanatika, and to your daughters also, banat, plural of the word, bint. So tell your wives, instruct your wives, and also instruct your daughters, وَنِسَاءِ mu'minin, And also the women of the believers, meaning the believing women. The instruction is the same for all, your wives, your daughters, and the rest of the believing women. What is it that you must instruct them with? What is it that you must tell them? That yudnina alayhinna min jalabibihin. A particular command is being given over here. For who? For women. And the Prophet ﷺ is ordered over here to instruct women. Beginning with which women? The women of his family. And what does this show? The importance of the command that is given over here. How important it is for women. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling His Messenger to tell the women. If you think about it, there are many commands which are given in the Qur'an and they're given very directly. Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, do such and such. Right? Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, do not do such and such. But when a command is being given through the Prophet ﷺ, what does that show? The importance of that command. And secondly, we see that he is instructed to begin with who? The women of his family. Again, that further emphasizes the importance of this command. So tell your wives, your daughters, and the believing women to do this particular action. Now we see that in the previous verses, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ were given a certain command. And that command was of hijab. Hijab meaning not veil, but what? Screening, partition, or segregation. Correct? And we learned that this was something exclusively for who? For the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning that even when they went out, how is it that they traveled? So for example, if they were riding a camel, how is it that they would ride it? In a haudaj. And what is a haudaj? It's like a small mini tent. Right? That would cover them, that would conceal them. So that if, for example, Aisha anha was sitting in the haudaj, people outside couldn't really see her. Which is why at one of the occasions, what happened? They thought she was inside, right? And she wasn't actually there. They took the haudaj, they put it on the camel, and they went off. And Aisha anha got left behind. Right? So... In the previous verses, we learned about the ruling of hijab for the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. In this ayah, what command is being given? The command is pertaining to when they are outside the haudaj. So for example, Aisha anha, if she had to walk somewhere, she couldn't possibly, you know, have a tent around her. You understand? If she had to, you know, walk somewhere, then how would she do it? How is it that she was to dress up? How is it that she was to cover herself up when she would go in front of men? And we see that in this ayah, this command is the same for who? For the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, as well as the rest of the believing women. And what is that command? That yudnina, they should do idna, alayhinna upon themselves. They should do idna of what? 
min jalabibihin of their jalabib. The word jalabib is the plural of jilbab. Alright? Now, the word yudunina. Actually, before yudunina, let's look at the word jilbab. Jilbab is from jim, lam, ba, ba. Jalbaba. Alright? And jalbaba is to clothe, alright, to cover something in a garment. This is the literal meaning of the word. To clothe or to cover something in a garment. And the word jilbab in the Arabic language, it refers to a long, flowing, loose outer garment. What is it? Long, flowing, loose outer garment. Outer garment meaning something that is worn on top of your clothes. You understand? So whether they are fancy clothes or whatever kind of clothes. Jilbab is a shawl or a loose robe, alright, or something similar to that which is worn on top of it. And for the purpose of convenience, you know, some women they stitch it into a long loose dress and other women they wear literally a shawl. Alright, and both are completely fine. As long as jilbab is covering the clothes, covering the zina, the adornment of a woman, covering her figure, it is perfectly fine. Alright? So the women must do idna of their jilbab. Now the question is, what is this word yudunina? Yudunina is from the word idna, and idna from the root letters dal nun wow. Alright? Dal nun wow. The word dunya is from the same root. What is dunya? World. Why is it called dunya? Because it is closer and it's also lesser. So there are two meanings of this word. Alright? That which is close, that which is near, and secondly, that which is low. Alright? So idna is to bring down, to lower. Alright? So for example, it is said, أَدْنَتْ سَوْبَهَا عَلَيْهَا That she let down her garment upon her. So for example, you wear a shawl or something, you put it on your head, and you let it down. You put it on your shoulders, you let it down. You understand? Meaning you let it hang. You let it flow. This is the literal meaning of the word idna. It is said, أَدْنَيْتُ sitr. I let down the curtain. Alright? Because maybe you've done this in your house also that you just wrap up the curtain and you, you know, hang it up somewhere. Right? Why just to put it aside? And then what happens? You unwrap it or something and you let it hang. You drop it down. So when you're dropping it down, what's the purpose? To cover completely. Alright? So, yudunina, meaning they should bring down, they should lower, they should hang, what? Min jalabibihinna Part of their jalabib. Meaning on themselves, they should hang some of their jilbab. Meaning they should take a portion of their jilbab, alright, and cast it over themselves. Now there is a question over here. Isn't jilbab already covering? Isn't it meant to already cover your clothes when you're wearing it? Isn't it supposed to do that? So what does it mean by this then? That they should take a portion of it, min, portion of it, and then cast it upon themselves. Why? In order to cover what is still exposed. So this is one interpretation of this ayah. Right? 
And what is still exposed despite wearing the jilbab, despite wearing the khimar? It's the face. Alright? So, yudnina alayhinna min jalabibihin, meaning they should take a portion of their jilbab and hang it down on what is still exposed, i.e. the face. Alright? So they should not leave it bare and fully exposed. And as per need, they should cover it. Alright. There's another interpretation of this ayah also, which is yudnina idna, meaning they should bring close. They should draw near. They should draw near, meaning they should wrap, they should cover themselves entirely with what? With a jilbab. Meaning, if they're not wearing a jilbab, what should they do? What should they do? They should wear a jilbab. So, we can understand this ayah in two ways. First of all, that they should wear the jilbab. And secondly, they should take a portion of their jilbab and cover the face. But in either of these two interpretations, what is for sure? What is it that there is no difference of opinion about? It's the wearing of the jilbab. So, yudnina alayhinna min jalabibihin. Why? Allah says, ذَلِكَ That is. Meaning, if they were to wear the jilbab, or if they were to take a portion of the jilbab, and cover what is still exposed, that is adna. It is closer, it is nearer. Same root, adna, yudunina, same root. Over here, adna means it is closer, more likely. On that, yu'rafna, they will be recognized. From the root letters, ain ra, fa. Ma'rifa, same root. This is closer that they will be recognized. Recognized as who? Meaning if they wear the jilbab or if they cover their face with the jilbab, this is more suitable that they will be known. Known as who? As believing, chaste, and modest women who are not free for even a little bit of pleasure. For even a little bit of, you know, sensual consumption. At all. So, ذَلِكَ adna أَنْ يُعْرَفْنَ They'll be recognized as believing chaste women. And as a result, فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنَ Then they will not be bothered. They will not be abused. They will not be hurt. يُؤْذَيْنَ is from the root letters, Hamza Dalia Ada. We have done this word in the previous verses. right? So they will not be harassed, meaning they won't be stared at, they won't be whistled at, they won't be touched, etc., etc. فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ and ever is Allah غفور الرحيم forgiving and merciful. Now these verses, this ayah in particular, and the following verses, and even the previous verses, as I mentioned to you earlier, they were revealed concerning a particular context. And what was that context? That there were people in Medina, the fusaq, sinners, who would harass women when they would go in the night in order to use the bathroom. How? By whistling, hooting, touching, etc. Primarily they wanted to target the slave women because who's going to come and save them? Who's going to come and fight for them? You understand? That was their goal. But what happened, that many times they would end up harassing who? Noble, dignified women also. So over here, the believing women are told, distinguish yourselves completely so that you are not harassed. Now, up until a hundred years or so, it was common for women of dignity to be dressed modestly. Right? This is something that was a norm throughout various societies. But this ayah is not limited to that context only. In general, remember, 
when a woman is covering herself, even her clothes, even her nice fancy clothes or her casual clothes even, when she's wearing something loose and long that is even covering her figure, what is the message? She's making it very clear that she is not available for any sensual consumption whatsoever. Right? And if we take the interpretation of covering the face, then even that sends a big message. I'm not for you, even a little bit. That you cannot even know what my nose looks like. You cannot even know what my cheeks look like. Because you don't deserve to know that. Because I'm not free. I'm not cheap. I'm not available for sensual consumption. I'm not for you. And specifically, what's the wisdom given over here? فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنِ They will not be harassed. They will not be bothered. Now there's a hadith in which we learn, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu, he reported that Al-Fadl bin Abbas, Al-Fadl, the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, brother of Abdullah bin Abbas, he was riding behind the Prophet ﷺ on his camel. right? And this was in Hajjatul Wada. And it was on the day of Nahr. And Al-Fadl was a young, handsome man. And what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, he stopped in order to give people verdicts. People were coming asking him questions. So the Prophet ﷺ stopped in order to hear the questions and respond to them. So what happened? A woman came. And a woman from the tribe of Khath'am in particular, she came and she was asking the Prophet ﷺ a particular question. So Al-Fadl radiallahu anhu, what happened? Being a man, he started looking at her and her beauty attracted him. Like he took notice of it and he looked again and again and he was looking at her face, at her. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, he looked back at Fadl and realized that Fadl was looking at the woman. So the Prophet ﷺ, he held out his hand backwards and caught the chin of Fadl and turned his face to the other side. Alright? He turned his face to the other side so that Al-Fadl wouldn't be looking at that lady. Alright? And so the woman, she asked her question and the Prophet ﷺ answered. Now for a woman to be stared at in this way, alright, even this is adha. Even this is a source of harassment. You know, it's irritating. It's annoying. Why are you staring at me? Right? Why are you looking like that? It's annoying. So even this can become annoying. So therefore, all women, cover up. Because if you think about it, Fadl, who was he? The cousin of the Prophet ﷺ. Where was he? He was sitting behind the Prophet ﷺ. What time was it? It was the time of Hajj. But a man is a man. You understand? A man is a man. So we cannot expect from men to have their eyes, you know, cast down all the time and keep bumping into things. No, they are to cast down their gaze. Women are also to cast down their gaze. But it's understood. Men like women more than women like men. This is a fact. Alright? I mean, we don't need to go into many details about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself says, زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ الشَّهَوَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاء First thing that's mentioned is what? Women. This is something that's normal. It's there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our creator and He knows us. So, the women have been instructed over here that what should they do? They should cover up. Just as when you go outside in the cold, don't you wear gloves? Don't you wear your jacket? Don't you wear your hat? Don't you do that? 
Don't you wear an oversized jacket that's you know going below your knees even and long boots? Why do you cover yourself so much? Why? To protect yourself. Because it's not worth it that you go outside and you're shivering. That you go outside and your hands feel bothered because they're extremely cold. Or your toes hurt because they're extremely cold. Is it worth it? That for the sake of fashion, we wear flip-flops even in the winter? Come on, it's not worth it. Isn't it so? So likewise, this is a fact of life just like cold is a fact of life. So this is also a fact of life that men get attracted to women. Right? More than women get attracted to men. I'm not saying that women don't, they do. Right? But men do even more so. So women are instructed over here, they're taught over here that look, it's not worth all that other. It's not worth it that you get bothered and harassed and you know annoyed everywhere you go. So take precaution and cover up. فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنِ If you do that, you will not be bothered, you will not be harassed. Um Salama radiallahu anha, she said that when the ayah, يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنَّ was revealed, the women of the Ansar came out as if they had curls over their heads. As if they had something, you know, over their heads, dark, alright? Meaning they had covered themselves with their jalabib. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that when the ayah of Surah An-Nur, that, وَلْيَضْرِبْنَ بِخُمْرِهِنَّ عَلَى جِيُوبِهِنَّ That they should cast their khumr on their chests. When that ayah was revealed, the women cut their waist sheets at the edges. Meaning they took any piece of cloth that they could find somewhere, any extra piece of cloth that they could find somewhere, and they took it and they covered their faces with that. Alright? So, the Sahabiyat, how is it that they understood the ayat of hijab? That cover yourself as much as possible. And this is a narration from Bukhari. Alright? Now before we continue, I'm not going to go into the detail of, you know, niqab is fard, wajib or not, and all of that. And I'm not going to go into the details of what the proofs are on either side. Alright? Because let me just give you one example over here to make it clear why I'm not going to go into it. Yesterday I spent several hours studying two books. Alright? One book by Sheikh Albani. And another book by a student of Sheikh bin Uthaymeen. Now these two scholars are known as, you know, giants when it comes to fiqh and when it comes to ijtihad and whatnot, when it comes to hadith sciences. I mean, any statement they say, you take it. Right? But when it comes to the issue of niqab, you know what? They differ. And if I try to go into the details of that, I would confuse you and I would confuse myself. So I'm gonna spare you from that. And whenever there's a confusion like this that exists, what is the easiest thing to do? Go back to the basics. And that's what I want to do over here. Look at the ayah and look at the ahadith, primarily, you know, from Bukhari, Muslim, alright, that clearly show how exactly the Sahabiyat implemented this command. Alright? So that at least we understand that when it comes to wearing the jilbab or when it comes to covering the face, this is something that has a place in our religion. Because we have gone to such an extreme that we, you know, in our saying that it's not wajib, alright, what we have done is that we have completely dismissed it. Or we have begun to look down on it. We have started to dislike it. And my attempt over here, inshallah, is to make you at least appreciate it. At least understand that this is something that has a place in our religion. 
You know, for example, tahajjud, is it fard? No, it's not. But when we talk about tahajjud, and when we know that we are not regular observance of it, do we talk about tahajjud, or do we think about it as, oh, too difficult, not for me. And you know what? It was only for the Prophet wasallam. It was only for, you know, super righteous people. And it's not possible to do it at all. Do we think of tahajjud in that way? No, we don't. But when it comes to niqab, you know, sadly, we have developed very negative uh, assumptions about it. And this is something that is spreading. So we need to understand that this is something that definitely has a place in our religion. I'm not saying that every woman should be forced to wear it, or that any woman even should be forced to wear it. Because the Prophet ﷺ did not force the women to wear it. Alright? It's a woman's choice. It's her decision. But at the same time, this is something that has a place in our religion. It's always healthy that... I was listening to a lecture by Sheikh Yasser Qadi, and in that he said very clearly that there are two opinions on this. All right, Some scholars believe that this is something that's wajib, meaning if a woman doesn't do it, she's being sinful. And others say that no, it is just recommended. Meaning it's really good if a woman does it, and if she doesn't do it, no problem. But if she does it, excellent. She's getting extra reward, she's closer to the Qur'an and Sunnah, so great for her, good for her. However, he also said that it's healthy, that in any Muslim society, in any Muslim community, there are at least some women who keep this part of the religion alive. So those who are doing it shouldn't be condemned. Those who are doing it shouldn't be looked down upon. You understand my point? That we shouldn't hate this aspect of our religion. It has a place in our religion. And as I mentioned to you, the two interpretations of this ayah, it's evident, يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِبِهِنَّ They should take a portion of their jilbab and throw it down, let it fall, in order to conceal that which is still exposed. Right? So the Sahabiyat, what was their understanding of this ayah? We learn in a hadith in Bukhari that the Sahabiyat, they understood the concept of jilbab so well that if a woman did not have a jilbab, alright, an outer garment to cover herself, she simply did not go out of the house. Really. In this hadith we learned that at Eid, the women were instructed that every single woman must go to attend Eid prayer. Even if she's menstruating, she should still go. Not to perform the prayer, but to participate in that gathering. So in this hadith we learned that, you know, a woman asked the Prophet that what about the woman who does not have a jilbab? What should she do? The Prophet ﷺ said, let her share the jilbab of her friend. Share doesn't mean you borrow it. Share means come, let's share it. You know, you take one side of it, I'll take the other side of it. This is so sweet, right? That let her share it. Notice over here, he didn't say, okay, she should stay at home. Because at Eid, she must come. Right? It's not healthy for a woman to just stay locked indoors all the time. Right? And secondly, he didn't say either that okay, she should go without a jilbab. You understand? What did he say? Let her share the jilbab of her companion. Now, look at this ayah. The hukum is for who? All women. Wives of the Prophet ﷺ and the rest of the believing women. This ayah is the ayah of you know, hijab. When the scholars talk about the ayah of hijab, this is the ayah. That instructed the wives of the Prophet ﷺ 
to cover their faces. So when Aisha radiallahu anha was not in the haudaj, she was not in her mini tent, what did she do? Or when she was in the mini tent, but the sides of it were removed, what did she do in order to you know, observe proper veiling in front of non-mahram men? We learn in a hadith in Abu Dawood, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, this is at Hajj, that the riders would pass us while we were with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning, you know, all the women, they would be on their own camels and sometimes what would happen in the caravan, some people would pass by. Like, you know, when you're driving a car and somebody drives by you, getting ahead of you, right? So something like that. When they got close to us, we would draw our outer cloak from our heads over our faces. Yudunina alayhinna min bihin. What did she say? That we would draw our outer cloak from our heads over our faces. You get it? A part of the jilbab over what? The face. And when they passed by, we would uncover our faces. A woman is not to cover her face from the sun. She's not to cover her face from outside space. It's from who? Men. So wherever there were men, what was their way? They would just bring their veil on their faces and cover. As soon as the men would go, they would uncover. Okay, now we could argue over here, this was the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, but what about the rest of the believing women? Fatima bint al-Mundir, she said, that we used to veil our faces when we were in ihram in the company of Asma bint Abi Bakr, radiallahu anha. Right? Now none of these are wives of the Prophet ﷺ, neither of these. But what did they do? They covered their faces. Even in ihram. In ihram, why is this mentioned? Because in a hadith we learned that in ihram, a woman should not wear a niqab. Alright? But remember that the veil of the woman in ihram takes the same ruling as the ihram of a man. Meaning, just like the ihram of a man should not be stitched clothing, meaning tailored to fit. Alright? Likewise, a woman's hijab should not be such that it's stitched. Alright, stitched in order to, meaning a piece is taken in order to cover a particular part of the body. So what was the way of the Sahabiyat? That they would just take their shawl and they would take a part of it and cover the face when the men would come in front of them. Now, there are a hadith that show that the Prophet ﷺ did allow women to uncover their faces. Alright, meaning if some women, their faces were uncovered, he didn't Order them, you must cover, you must cover. I will not speak to you unless you cover. Or he turned away. No. There's a hadith in which we learn, there's a hadith in Muslim. Jabir radiallahu anhu, he said that on Eid, he was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And the khutbah, you know, the salah, everything happened. And then he went especially to address the women. And when he went to address the women, he encouraged them to give sadaqah. And he warned them that I have seen many women in hellfire. So he was encouraging them to give sadaqah. So a woman, and she's described as a woman having a dark spot on her cheek, stood up and she asked, why is that so? Meaning, why is it that so many women will be in hell? She asked the question. Now look, she's explained by Jabir as, she's described as who? A woman having a spot on her cheek. That means he saw the cheek. Alright? Now, on the one hand, this shows that okay, she was not covering her face, and the Prophet ﷺ allowed that. But on the other hand, there's this argument also that this could be before the verses of hijab were revealed. You understand? There's another hadith in which we learn 
that Umar anhu once he asked permission from the Prophet ﷺ in order to come and sit with him and some Qurayshi women were there. Alright, some women of the Quraysh were there. Women of the Quraysh and they were talking to the Prophet ﷺ. Alright? And they were talking to him very, you know, easily, casually. They were raising their voices even. And Umar anhu he asked permission to enter at that time. So when the Prophet ﷺ allowed him to come in, the women quickly screened themselves. فَبَدِرْنَ الْحِجَابِ Alright? They screened themselves. So when Umar anhu came in, the Prophet ﷺ was smiling. Because as the women heard Umar is coming, quickly they rushed and, you know, cover, cover, hide, hide. Alright? And Umar anhu asked, O Messenger of Allah, may Allah always keep you happy. Like what happened? May Allah always keep you happy. What is it that makes you happy? So the Prophet ﷺ said, I am astonished at these women. As soon as they heard your voice, they quickly screened themselves. Umar anhu then he addressed the women. And he said, O enemies of yourselves, do you fear me and not the Messenger of Allah? You are enemies of yourselves. Why are you scared of me? And you're not scared of the Prophet ﷺ. And the women said, yes, we are. Because you are a fearful and fierce man compared to the Prophet ﷺ. And it was at this occasion that the Prophet ﷺ said, By him in whose hand my life is, when shaitan sees you taking a path, he takes a path other than yours. Alright? Now in this hadith also, what do we see? The women were sitting, but when Umar came, عنه, what did they do? فَبَدِنَّ hijab Quickly they took the hijab. Now hijab over here doesn't mean they took the veil. Because the Prophet ﷺ was there. Hijab over here means they screened themselves. They hid. Alright? It doesn't necessarily mean that they wore the veil or they covered their faces. It means they screened themselves with the partition because they didn't want Umar anhu to even see them. Alright? There is another hadith which is in a silsilatul sahiha, authentic hadith, in which we learn Ibn Abbas anhu, he said that a beautiful woman from among the most beautiful women, alright? She used to pray salah in the masjid. And some of the people used to go pray in the first row to ensure they would not be able to see her. Alright? And some ayat were revealed regarding this and these are ayat of Surah Al-Hijr. Now, the ayat, they show that they were revealed at a very early stage. Alright? So again, it could be argued that this incident was when? before the verses of hijab were revealed. Alright? Now regardless, when we look at all of the various ahadiths, what do we see? Some women clearly covered their face. And it wasn't just the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. And there were other women who did not. Alright? Like the story of Fadl at Hajjatul Wada'r, what happened? Alright? Now, this is because there will always be different women. Right? There will be women who know this ayah of the Qur'an, and there will be women who don't know this ayah of the Qur'an. Right? There will be women who have knowledge of the sunnah, and so they will abide by this, and there will be women who don't have knowledge, and so they won't abide by it. Likewise, there will be women for whom it will be easy to cover their faces, given the situation that they're in. And for other women, it will be difficult given the situation that they're in. Right? The woman's choice is respected over here. So it shows 
that it may not be wajib to cover the face, but highly recommended. Highly recommended. No doubt about that. This is what the Qur'an shows to us, and this is what the sunnah shows to us. And it's a matter of personal responsibility. It's a matter of you know, a woman's haya and her choice, her obedience to Allah. This is not a matter of law that it should be enforced upon a woman. You must cover your face. And if you won't, you will be punished and some kind of acid will be thrown on your face. Or that you will be, you know, punished and ostracized because of your choice to show your face. No, this is not the case. Because what does a sunnah show to us? A level of tolerance, Right? That if a woman decided to uncover her face, she wasn't treated as a criminal. If she decided to uncover her face, she wasn't treated as someone who was sinful. Someone who was not even worth speaking to. The Prophet ﷺ listened to the woman's question and he answered her. Right? Now, over here, remember that there is a difference between saying something is not mandatory and dismissing it. There is a difference between that. We can say that, okay, it's not mandatory. But at the same time, we cannot dismiss it. We must, you know, have respect for this aspect of our religion also. It is from the sha'airillah. Right? It's from the symbols of our religion. It is something that definitely has a place in our religion. Right? So for example, if a woman doesn't wear it, she doesn't have to hate it. You understand? It's your choice. You do whatever you want. But don't hate on it. You understand my point? Don't hate on it. At least support those who do it. And like I mentioned earlier, it's always healthy that there are women who are keeping this aspect of the deen alive. And for their extra effort, inshallah, there will be extra reward. When it comes to matters of religion, what is it that we should be concerned about? Going ahead. Because the farther we go, the closer we are to Allah, the more reward, inshallah, we get. Right? And if we choose to stay behind, then there are chances that we will fall even more behind. So, it is something that we must like, we must appreciate, we must love, in fact. And remember that being non-judgmental is a two-way street. Okay? Because on the one hand, while there is a lot of fuss about niqabi women being judgmental about those who don't wear niqab, there is also a fuss about, you know, talking greatly about women who do wear niqab, that they're very conservative and very extremist and very whatnot. They're human beings. If you don't want to be judged by them, you shouldn't judge them either. Right? It's a two-way street. So we need to have this level of, you know, tolerance and this level of respect. Alright? 